When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Holy crap. What a week. Out of nowhere. Wow. Off the top rope. On Sunday during the Super Bowl, the Deadpool and Wolverine trailer released to which I can now update has become the most watched trailer in the first 24 hours of all time, surpassing Spider-Man Crazy. No Way Home. Absolutely insane. Did you see that list, by the way? Of the trailers? Yeah. Uh-uh. Uh, I was looking at it and it cracked me up because like there's like a top 10 mm-hmm. and all of them would be movies you would expect like movies where you, you look back and it's like, wow. Yeah. Like that was a big cultural moment. And most game. of them are Marvel movies. Yeah. Um, uh, and then the one outlier is it's like number four or five on the list and it's transformers rise of the beasts. Wow. For the trailer view, just sliding in there. Uh, they must be doing Which something I, you know, right because they keep making Transformers and people keep watching them somehow. Seriously. I, uh, but then I still want to see the. Did you ever watch the Bumblebee movie? Nope. Nope. I um, actually, I, I feel like it kind of went under the radar. I never saw it, but I heard it was really good. Uh, it was like an early Haley Steinfeld appearance. I actually heard but, the new uh, Transformers anyway. in general was pretty good, like a fun, entertaining action movie. Um, I don't even. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I haven't. I don't seen even it. know when the last one came out. There are a lot of franchises that I want to go through. That's probably not one of them. Uh, <laughs> but there was also a trailer for the new Planet of the Apes movie, which is something I do want to go through. Mm. So we'll get to that later. Then on Tuesday, I think it was Valentine's Day of last week, Marvel releases a Fantastic Four official casting announcement for the first time ever. Uh, uh, and in the most fun, clever way as a Valentine's Day card with the mm-hmm. cast on it, which we talked about on Friends from Work Plus, but Pedro Pascal, uh, Vanessa Kirby as Sue Storm, Joseph Quinn, and then Eben Moss Backrack as the thing. And we praised it on Friends from Work Plus for just how creative the announcement was and the vibe it seems like they're going for with Matt Shackman uh, yeah. and the 60s era stuff. Herbie, which, by the way, my daughter was watching Spidey and his amazing friends, and in the new season, the thing is in there, and Herbie's in there. So that's where I oh, now know Herbie. Oh, excellent. 
which is so Excellent. funny. But that felt like it kind of got the internet all ablaze as well. That yeah. was just last week. So we did two emergency podcast episodes. And then on Friday, I think it was, no, on Thursday, mm -hmm. Disney announced that X-Men 97, the animated series, will be releasing on March 20th, and they dropped a trailer with it. And so millennials in particular were now ablaze on the internet about that series. So <laughs> three announcements yeah. to cover up the disastrous performance of Madam Web. Uh, so smart move by Kevin Feige there and take the attention away. But what a week. Man, I think it, it's interesting, the conversation around Madam Web, because somehow Marvel is kind of being like Marvel studios is kind of being loosely roped in to the disaster that is Madam web, at least from, from a press perspective, not for me. Whereas I feel like that only flows one way, which is kind of what's frustrating to me. Like whenever there's a bad superhero project, especially from Sony that has kind of a Marvel affiliation, it's the only studio left that isn't Marvel that's making Marvel things. It's like that still kind of even if people like I, I heard it in part because of the weirdness with the Spider-Man universe. Like I heard someone in my office yesterday talking about uh, how the new Marvel movie is terrible. And I heard someone else saying, what what's the new Marvel movie? And he was like, Madam Web. And they were like, I don't think that's a Marvel movie. He's like, no, it's Spider-Man. That's Marvel. And I think that is repeated. Please tell me you corrected him. Please tell me you corrected him. It, it, th Robbie, I didn't, if you're I, not I doing the him. Lord's work, then what are you doing out I there on the front lines? He was out in the hallway and I didn't correct him. And now I'm thinking that my failure to correct is going to be like Peter's failure to stop the burglar. And now we're just gonna following be orders. Golly, Robbie. <laughs> uh, but I, I think that like that's on the audience side that can happen sometimes. I think the critics know better, but they still kind of lump in the like, oh, like, you know, another Marvel thing. But it's just funny because when something like Across the Spider-Verse comes out, that's incredible. Sure, it's not a mother. No one's like, oh, man, Marvel hits it again. You know, it's like, great job, Sony. <laughs> Today is a Bold Predictions episode. And one of them that I crossed off, I'm not going to do it, but I kind of was going to say, Maybe within the next year or two, Sony gives up trying to make films and lets Marvel Studios take those characters in some deal. But I didn't do it. But I was thinking about Man, that. They, like, if it goes so bad for another two or three, will they eventually right. just go, oh, my gosh, like, No Way Home, you make the movies, please. I mean, I think that they, Greg and I were actually talking about this the other day as we were kind of looking at the the initial numbers on Madam Web. It seems... Like, they clearly have Craven the Hunter lined up. Mm -hmm. They have Venom 3 lined up, which I'm sure the final Venom film shout out Pete. will probably be a, like, yeah, shout out Pete, will probably be a successful one for them commercially, unless just the moment has so turned. But I think that generally those movies have made a lot of money. I feel like that would be a perfect high note, relatively speaking, for them to end on. And then, <laughs> sure. like... It's just, it, what's crazy to me is their live action movies have been so consistently bad for so long, arguably going all the way back to The Amazing Spider-Man 2, which in fairness, we kind of came out on slightly more positive than we had expected to when we were doing our Spider-Man rewatch. 
But even still, like any live action Sony thing that has not involved Marvel Studios has been kind of terrible Think about l- over the last 10 years. But all the animation has been like next level Oscar winning good. So I'm like, you've got such an easy way to kind of like save face and, and do an off ramp. Say like, we partnered with Marvel Studios and made some of the biggest Spider-Man movies, biggest superhero movies of all time that everybody loves. Let's just give them all of that, whatever they want to do with the Spider-Man stuff. We'll keep our cut financially, but we're going to, in terms of making things, focus on these animated movies that are continuing to blow everyone's minds. Think about it, though. Money drives everything. So even though Morbius was critically terrible, because of that whole movement, it, it even went back into theaters. Like Sony was so unaware of people making fun of the film that it made its way back into theaters. So it's not going to take bad negative press. It's going yeah. to take bad performance at the box office. So if Madam Web doesn't do well actually financially, then I think there's a shot that if Craven doesn't and Venom 3 doesn't, that then they go, okay, it's not working financially. Because I think they don't want to give up all the rights because they want to make their own movies at whatever frequency they want, not tied to Marvel. Because Marvel may slow it way down. That being said, can you think about, as a Marvel Studios fan, how fun it would be to have all those rights back? To have Marvel Studios tell a Venom story? Like to start bringing in the Spider-Man universe better and and like a find a way to loop in into this multiversal era, the into the Spider-Verse stuff with Miles Morales somehow. Oh wow. Uh, yeah. I just think it'd be fun to pass the reins over there. I had you know, I did I wondered that last time I watched Across the Spider-Verse, uh, which you know, I, I think this is maybe an appropriate topic for today's episode, but I realized like they do kind of set like the theory of the multiverse in Across the Spider-Verse, on on the one hand, I think is actually a, a, so far a lot more coherent than what Marvel Studios has done. Yep. In part just because those movies are clearly focused on that and there's exposition there focused on clarifying what the stakes are and yada yada. But all that said, I also noted, not only do you get that reference in the movie to Tom Holland, Spider-Man and Dr. Strange and the MCU. But I, yeah, the theory of the multiverse there, it could actually work within the MCU. If there was ever any interest in doing that, I don't think that that would need to be anything other than kind of like a, like a fun cameo sort of in the same way that we got from Donald Glover and across the Spider-Verse. But I do like that even just in theory, those could like the all the universes we've seen in the Miles movies could exist like within the framework that's being introduced within the MCU. And so it's like, even if you do have like, even if the rights continue on the way that they are currently, there's still a way that they're all kind of now connected. I mean, No Way Home essentially did that anyway, Mm -hmm. but I just like that that's still on the table. So I I agree with you that that's a fun possibility. I'm running out of words to describe just how special the last 10 minutes of Across the Spider-Verse are. Oh my gosh, from the time he realizes, spoilers here, that he's in the wrong universe and Gwen is kind of putting that together at the same time and then the starting a band thing with that track. Oh Oh, my gosh, dude. 
that track, the last like two minutes of that movie are as rewatchable to me. Like I listen to just that music all the time. That track in particular, <laughs> unbelievable, unbelievable movie. Um, by the way, welcome back to friends from work, a podcast about all things in the Marvel cinematic universe hosted by me, Kyle Sconowell and my longtime friend from work, Robbie Earl. And today we are going to be making some bold predictions for the MCU in 2024 and maybe 2025 a little bit because we skipped a year last year. But what's really fun about this is that we have receipts. We can now go back and follow up on Mm. the previous episodes and predictions we made which you have no idea. You can't remember. I couldn't remember until I went back to 2022 and listened to our episode wow. and found some really fun stuff, which by the way, it's just kind of fun to listen to old things. It's fun to listen to us predict and project where we think things are going before the movie. And then now knowing what happened, it's kind of almost funny. Yeah. Um, but it shows, it, it gives you a glimpse of where we were at at that time. But today we're going to be making some more predictions. Before we do that, Rob, I want to follow up on the three that we did. We did three each in 2022. Didn't do any in 2023. Uh, Here you go. I think technically I went one for three and you went 0 for three, I think. So, all right. right, Here you go. My first prediction was that Moon Knight will become my second favorite show, which I think is the one I got correct. Until Loki yeah, season two, yeah. that was my number two, even ahead of Loki season one, which was often a debate on this podcast. So I think right. I got that right. I talked about how I was yeah. so stoked for that tone and uh, all that applies. Yeah, I think that's fair. Your first prediction, which is interesting, is that Gore will become your favorite villain. And you went on a whole thing about how it was set up that way. But I'm going to say over three because really we kind of left feeling like that was the one part of the film that could have been developed even more. Right. You wouldn't say it was your favorite villain now. No, no, no. I mean, I, I don't fault past me for making that prediction because I think Gore is one of the more compelling comic villains. I don't fault you anyway. And it's Christian Bale. Yeah, I don't fault you. But, but yeah, I, I do. I think that I was, I think of all the things that I, love about that movie I, I gore i mean gore plays a, a really important part in all the things i love but i don't think that that's my biggest takeaway from that so fair yeah it's not laughable for sure the prediction uh i predicted that thor would die and i was obviously wow. wrong i will say however jane dies as the mighty thor yeah. so i was on to yeah. something as far as there being some closure but no thor did not die way wrong you predicted, and you said you almost tried to speak this into existence, that Nakia will become the next Black Panther. Oh, yeah. man. And that did not happen. So one for two for me, over two for you. And then I said, and I think I'm wrong in this, I predicted that one of the post-credit sequences from that year would include Kang. And I don't think they did Kang in 2022, right? We didn't see him until He Who Remains as Loki season one. Is that correct? Yeah. We'd- yeah, yeah. I guess in Quantumania, which was what, January or February of 23? 23, yeah. Close so, on that. Yeah, because we did like that, you know, we had two like Kang appearances in the post credits for that movie. But Right. And then your last prediction was that we'll see Gamora reunited with the Guardians of the Galaxy in the holiday special, which was very I, yeah. obviously not the plot. They were trying to, uh, they missed her. In that movie, which is yeah, the opposite. yeah, I, 
I I still thought that that would make a certain kind of sense, but I, you know, again, this, seeing this, the path that they took. Yeah, this worked out even better now, really, in hindsight. Yeah. The fact that she is reunited in the new film, but not in the way you think. Like, they don't get back together, which I think is right. the right way to go. For sure. That was it. Wow. Yeah. We didn't do one last year, and I'm excited to do this one uh, this year. Um, before we do that, uh, can I make a quick announcement? Oh, I'm so excited. Oh, my gosh. Yes, please. I, Because uh, <clears throat> I, I think one of my bold predictions just for my own life is that uh, a week from now, I will be a changed person. I will have undergone a radical transformation because of uh, what I will have seen in a week. And I haven't talked to you about this yet. But, I have uh, no idea what we're about to say. I'm like on pins and needles. <clears throat> I'm just going to show this. And uh, John Williams and, and Yo-Yo you know, Ma, are you going to a concert? I... I am getting to go see John Williams and Yo-Yo Ma perform at Carnegie Hall next week. Uh, uh, and Why are you going to be in New York? For this concert? Exclusively for this concert. <laughs> You're just <laughs> flying to New York to do that? I was, I've been trying to see Williams uh, conduct because I, I know that he's not going to do it that, that many times. He's like always on the edge of retiring. And these... Like it wound up right after Christmas that we were able to get in and I got this. I, I for the longest time, I didn't know if it was legitimate or not, because normally this stuff is so hard to get into for any price that's not like terrifying to behold. <laughs> sure. And then I got this. Uh, I got this in the mail, this invitation. And if you see, it is from George Lucas and Steven Spielberg <laughs> because they are co-chairing this gala at Carnegie Hall honoring the career of John Williams. And because John Williams has composed uh, concertos for Yo-Yo Ma, Yo-Yo Ma is also going to be there performing, I think he's certainly performing uh, some of Williams' compositions. I don't know what he's performing beyond that. But they have provided a set list ahead of time. And I'm just so excited. There's like a lot of Raiders. There's some, there's Princess Leia's theme. Uh, you are so Some funny. Last Crusade, some E.T. That's incredible. I'm just, I'm very excited about it. I didn't want to say anything on the podcast until I felt like it was actually going to happen. But now That's we've got, incredible. Uh, we got flights, we got everything. So I... Cue the celebration music, really. I know. Or it, it's like uh, whatever the opposite of. We need to play the, the music that plays at the end of the first Star Wars when they're like getting their medals. <laughs> that's so fun. <dude. laughs> anyway, sorry, that's so unrelated, but I've, uh, we've, we like took our podcast break and then. That's insane, man. Everything's been crazy and I had to, yeah. I can't top that, okay, obviously. But can I tell you that I performed at Carnegie Hall one time? Did you know that? I did not know that. I've never been. My high school band won a like high school band competition throughout like the country to go perform at Carnegie Hall. So I played three songs at Carnegie Hall in high school band on trumpet. Holy cow. Isn't that funny? So I got How to How do you see, get there? 
how do I actually get there? How do you get to Carnegie Hall? You mean physically? I don't know. I was in high school. Practice. I just fo- oh, <laughs> I just followed wherever my teachers told me to go. <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah. I mean, that, that kind of tops it. I'm not going to be no, on stage. No, no, no. That's amazing, dude. And think about if we also got to go see the uh, the journey through the MCU playlist live in, in L.A. this year. You'd be you'd be eating good. We actually reached Man, out I to know. Disney. They said, well, we don't really run that part of it. But she did say in the email that she's going to see if there's any contact. So maybe we can get a friend yeah. from work gathering at that event. Who knows? But that, that's amazing, dude. It there. Yeah, I we. We, uh, I don't think we've gotten to talk about that yet either, but yeah, at the, the Hollywood Bowl, um, oh, yeah, there is going to be a, uh, it's like a, a performance, like a one, like each night going through selections of the entire Infinity Saga, right? Mm-hmm. Did I read that correctly? Uh, something like that, yep. In August. So I think for people that listen to this podcast that are in the LA area, especially, yeah, that is something that you should look into. We're looking into it, and we're not in the LA area. Okay, last thing I swear, and then we're going to get into our bold predictions. Uh, we're recording this on a Friday. The review embargo for Dune Part 2 just dropped this morning, I think, or last night. If you're mm. listening to this episode on Monday, I am seeing Dune Part 2 tomorrow, Tuesday night. You are seeing it, I think, before it comes out, for sure, in the next yeah, week or the, so. I think it's the following Monday. Anytime that a movie... I think this trend's becoming true. Like, Madam Web had few screeners. We didn't get a chance to go see it. And the review embargo wasn't till the morning of the release. What that is yeah. proving to be true, though, is that that means they're not very confident. Every time that has happened, right. that has been the case, where it's like they don't want the plot leaked, but really it's not going to perform well or they're nervous. It's not good. And they don't want the movie crushed for weeks before it comes out. And so they just put yeah. out the morning yeah. of hope people miss it and then still go see the film. Then the opposite is true. Dune part two doesn't release in theaters until March one. Well, the review embargo, I think the actual social media embargo was like February 14 or 15, which is a good two and a half weeks oh, early. Wow. And the review embargo yeah. is February 21. So you can fully review the movie for 10 days before the actual release, which usually signifies they're pretty proud of it. Well, the first reviews, Robbie, are like spectacular. Was, Somebody said it's two I towers. I was reading that last night. Two towers esque. Yeah, I saw like I saw two towers. I saw Empire. I saw a lot of people just saying that it's this movie in conjunction with the first uh, comprised one of the best sci-fi epics of all time ever. Yeah, okay. So. I thought the first movie was so good, and I want to talk about it on this podcast and on Screensaver because Denis Villeneuve is one of my favorite directors. He's one of my top five, and so I want to talk about it. But the mm-hmm. first movie wasn't, maybe because I don't have the history of the book, for me, wasn't, like, spectacular. I enjoyed it. I liked it. I would never say that mm-hmm. was my favorite movie of the year. But now the way the second one's being talked about, not only are we going to go see it early, I hope that we're going to have an episode available on Screensaver by March 1. So when you're walking out of the mm-hmm. theater, you have our thoughts on it. But I'm I'm now really stoked to see it. I mean, it's got Hans Zimmer. It's got Denis. It's got your boy, yeah. Timothy Chalamet and Zendaya. And then it's got my girl, Rebecca Ferguson. So it's tough. I mean, it's well, tough and, to be- and there's a lot of great new inclusions in part two from a cast perspective. There's Florence Pugh coming in. Austin Butler is coming in. And what I did not realize, because I had not seen the most recent trailer, is that the Emperor is going to be played by Christopher Walken. 
which oh, wow. I love. <laughs> okay. So uh, expectations so, are high there too. Yeah, I mean, there's just a whole, like a whole, I was I was struck by, Candace and I rewatched the first one recently and I was struck by how insane the cast is for that movie. And then now it's being expanded and we're adding in some, I mean, just Zendaya and Florence Pugh alone are two of the kind of heaviest hitters in Hollywood right now. So it's, it has all the makings of kind of a legendary film moment. We'll find out tomorrow for me. I'll probably text you or post something on social media about it. All right. Three bold predictions each for the MCU in 2024 after a quick word from these sponsors. Because this is kind of uh, relating to the conversation we were just having about box office performance and reviews and whatnot. I think that uh, my first bull prediction is that Deadpool 3 will break the record for highest earning R-rated film. Okay, I thought about doing something like that. I wasn't sure how bold that was. I didn't do this, but I thought I was going to say the next... I was going to make a prediction of the next two or three Marvel films. Why are there balloons on my screen? Right? Do you see that? I don't know. I liked it. Though. I liked it. <laughs> How did it know to I do balloons? I hope that that comes across on the, I don't think on it, the podcast I don't video. think it will, but just for anyone listening, <laughs> I was about to make a prediction and balloons started going across my screen. <laughs> well, congratulations. Um, yeah. Hey, thanks. I thought the next two or three films might all gross over a billion. I was going to do something like that. but Oh, wow. But anyways, break the record. Do you know what the record is when you say that or not? I don't know what it is. Off the uh, the, like the number or the the movie that holds the record? Both, I guess. I, I, do, I think the I think the the record uh, is like in the in the billion dollar range. Uh, but I know that the movie that currently holds the record is Joker. Oh, really? OK. And yeah, exactly, I just knew exactly right on both fronts. It's it's uh it's Joker and it's one, just over one billion, just over it. So and I and think Oppenheimer's number two, right behind it. Oh wow! Yeah, nine sixty. I forget that Oppenheimer's is Oppenheimer R. Oh yeah, for sure. There's nudity. Wow. Yeah, I get. Yeah, fair. Um, uh, but I, I think though that the first Deadpool. Yeah, I'm looking at it. Yeah. At one point, broke that record. Deadpool uh, one is seven eighty two. Deadpool two is seven eighty five. So just past it million. Um, Oppenheimer, it, okay. if it re released in theaters, could probably pass Joker. But yeah, so you're saying one point one billion for Deadpool three. All right, we'll see. I I think so. Just because if you look at any of those movies that that you just went through, like none of those necessarily have an appeal. Yeah, yeah. To people that. Might not normally watch an R-rated movie, or not as much. Oppenheimer's kind of different, but it's like I think the first two Deadpool's really marketed themselves as adult kind of crass films, and this one will be too to some degree. But I also know that, like, if you know, when when the first Spider-Man movie came out, and there are some things about that that are very PG-13 in a way that a lot of Marvel Studios movies aren't. I was. Like there was a conversation 
in our household about whether or not I could go see the movie because I think I was only 10. And I was like, I would have burned that house to the ground if my mom did not take me to go see it. And I know that, again, it's PG-13 versus R, but I have to imagine that there are some 10-year-olds out there that are just going to lose it if their parents don't let them go see Hugh Jackman in that Wolverine costume. That reminds me of one of the best office quotes ever. Dwight's like getting mad at a client, like, how dare you? And Michael Scott goes, Dwight, oh, whoa, 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 calm down. And then he turns to the client and goes, but if you so much as harm a, hand, a hair on her head, I will, I swear to God, I will burn this place to the ground. I will burn you to go to the ground. <laughs> um, I think you're right because I'm the perfect example. I never watched the first two Deadpools and yet they still grow 785 million, but now they have the MCU mm -hmm. crowd. So now they're going to get some people that didn't watch those films but were like, well, now I need to see this one and they're going to watch it. So I think that's the last bump they need. Yeah. All right, my bold prediction. First bold prediction from Kyle in the MCU in 2024. Sometime in 2024, either in Deadpool 3 or in Agatha, and I'm going to leave this open to maybe some other thing, we're going to get confirmation that Wanda Maximoff is not dead. Oh, that's a good one. So I don't know if it would be like a cameo in Deadpool or a reference um, at the end or a post-credit sequence or really just an Agatha as like a follow-up of like, well, the Scarlet Witch still lives or um, mm. I was going to say you'll see her, but I'm not going to go that far. So I think you're going to get confirmation she's alive. Okay. All right. Okay. I like that. Bold prediction number two um, from Robbie. Yeah, so this is uh, kind of... Uh, cheating because we talked about this some on our Friends from Work Plus episode covering the cast announcement last week. For Fantastic Four. But having had some more time to think about the conversation that we had there, I think that I'm going to... My, my prediction is that the Fantastic Four movie is going to be set in an alternate universe. Okay. That they are going to lean fully into that and let it be as classic Silver Age 60s comics as they want, which seems like Matt Shackman's whole thing. And yeah. then whether that, and you and I talked about this mm -hmm. piece in, in terms of whether it's the entire movie or part of the movie or where that leaves them. Mm -hmm. But I I think that that they are then going to wind up somehow coming into contact with the MCU. I think the question is going to be, you know, whether we're looking at a lot of universes by the time we get the secret wars mm -hmm. colliding where it's like, you've got the Fox universe and you've got like now a new universe and maybe like the Sony universe. Like if, I mean, maybe that's you know, how Sony been gives conversations. up their rights. Yeah. Who knows? Hey, I mean, people have talked about the Toby stuff and Hugh Jackman as rumors. And so I don't know like if everything's going to converge down the line or if we're going to wind up with like just two major universes like you kind of had in the comics leading into secret wars but uh at any rate that is my that is my bold prediction regarding fantastic four so as we've said multiple times now is a good time to subscribe to friends from work plus if you're at all interested uh because we're covering a lot of this stuff over there we're going to be going through x-men it's going to be awesome and 
secondly, we did do a trailer breakdown, or not trailer in this case, I guess a cast announcement breakdown about 30 minutes if you want more in-depth of what you're talking about. But after we recorded that episode and I put it out, I was listening back to it, and I, I, I reacted appropriately when you brought that idea up. But now I've sat through and thought, it has to. It almost has to be that way. Like I saw on mm. Twitter, there were rumors that um, they're trying to cast Galactus and they're trying to cast the Silver Surfer right now. And I just oh, wow. thought like that would be so fun in its own world. And because of the multiversal saga, they have a they have the they can have the best of both worlds. They can have their cake and eat it too because they can mm -hmm. do the whole story in a different world and then still have it collide. But you just cannot set a Fantastic Four that was around in the 60s with Galactus that the world right. just didn't know about or didn't tell us about in Iron Man. You know, like, it, I think in a weird way, the danger of doing that, I th I've gone from, oh, that'd be fun to it'll be disappointing if they do it a different way just because the danger of belittling the first Avengers team and Iron Man and his origin by putting something yeah. like this in there. Like I was nervous with Captain Marvel and Endgame. Um, mm -hmm. I think this is the best win ever. You can have the whole yeah. movie exist somewhere else and it'll be so refreshing to see all these characters. And then it will be even cooler to see them interact with the MCU at that point. Although, you know, my, my hesitation, not my hesitation, my concern there in the way they do that would be, if if they do wind up in our universe and they are you know it's just them and they've built out like if you if you do go into galactus and the silver surfer and you introduce those in that first film do those characters come over with them maybe you know or is that like a one and done thing and then i don't know anything because, about these characters but isn't galactus like a a universe eating yeah. Okay. So, yeah, so like could a, there be some like a, way that he breaks through the multiversal thing or something? For sure. Or that? Yeah. There's actually. I mean, there, yeah. There's some some imagery that comes to mind from the Secret Wars era esque that actually kind of is exactly that. So I think, yeah, that's an option, and and maybe that. I mean, maybe that's it. Like maybe that's how the Fantastic Four become like in the same way that it, Marvel's done a good job of this in the past. Like they they made T'Challa like they introduced him in Civil War mm -hmm. and then kind of right on the heels of the Black Panther movie they then make him a huge part of Infinity War at least Wakanda a huge part of Infinity War and I think like very much make it an anchor property in again the Black Panther movie was already that but within the MCU story and I feel like that could be a way for them to do it here like maybe it's not just that they happen to wind up here maybe it's like they're involved in the larger crisis well and the villain side of this entire thing is fascinating not only with the kang drama jonathan major drama off camera mm -hmm. but correct me if i'm wrong isn't kind of the whole point of secret wars is that it's not really driven necessarily by one villain right it's driven by these universes having to decide what they want to do with this conflict there are villains but i just wonder yeah. like are they going to try to anchor the entire avengers secret wars around stopping a person whether that be dr doom or galactus which by yeah. the way dr doom was almost one of my predictions that it make it um or kang recasted or something or a group of villains that get together and decide that's what they want 
or or is it not even really about the villain? It's about the other universes and having to decide what happens here, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think what's hard about that and, and well, what makes it fun is that it's never really been clear whether Marvel is adapting the 80s Secret Wars or the 2015 Secret Wars. And those both heavily involve Doctor Doom, but the premise of the first is a bunch of heroes and villains are magically transported to a random planet where they fight and see who wins. And it's very, it's just like a, the joke is that it was to sell action figures because it basically is like what every kid comes up with when they're playing with their action figures. Uh, The 2015 Secret Wars was the one that's coming after all the incursions. It results in like a, a patchwork world that is built of all of the different parts of the universes that were able to be salvaged and created into like one planet earth where everything is like juxtaposed. But, but, but isn't, but isn't the point of the incursion before that is it's kind of like the Joker at the end of the dark night, right? That, that one universe has to decide to sacrifice the other one. Otherwise they both die. And that's the conflict that's leading to secret wars, which is what ultimately like, that's the kind of catastrophe is all the universes cease to exist at least like on their own and then the only thing that's left is this in all of existence is this one patchwork planet that dr doom is for reasons that we can't get into is able to bring together and then rule over and then so he does become the whole reason i say that is he is the main villain of the secret wars 2015 series in 2015 and arguably in the original, but it's just the original doesn't really it is sure. light on plot. But, so but I you don't, don't know. But you if, don't bring a character like Galactus into a movie like Fantastic Four to just have him disappear in the one film and that be it, right? There's no way. Yeah, I mean, I. So then, is it Doctor Doom not. and Galactus, or Galactus is an observer, or you know what I'm saying? Like, there's yeah. Well, and Galactus is such a like force of nature within right. the comics. That's what that, I mean. He's yeah, he's not a great. Uh, do you see that? Do you see my thumbs up there? What is happening on Riverside? Is this an update? <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, that one will make the, the video because I'm using that camera. So there you oh, go. Oh, nice, nice. <laughs> thumbs um, up. Can you do that again? Do it one sec. Can you do it? Can, did I? Oh, my gosh. What oh, it, it worked on yours. Wow. Can I do it? So maybe can if I, I, maybe like if I celebrate like this, that's what all the balloons are from? We're just discovering this technology wow. live on this podcast. Okay, anyways. Incredible. Okay, sorry. Uh, so anyway, yeah, I, my, my point being, yeah, I think that the, if they are going to adapt, like have a villain that reflects the, the comics, I, I don't think that it can be, it would need to be someone like Dr. Doom or, or maybe like it could arguably be Kang, but then, you know, that's just, that's where the big question mark is. Like I, I could very much see them putting him in that role there's a connection between Kang and Doom in the comics. We talked about that a ton when Quantumania first came out. So, all right. I don't know. I do think it's like, I mean, when you look at the do, when you I, look at the Fantastic Four comics, Doctor Doom is one of the earliest pieces of that mythology. He is for the longest time was the villain within the entire Marvel Comics universe. If so, it, they're going to have a Doctor Doom. Uh, shout out Cam on our Discord. 
I do think it needs to be Killian Murphy just because that would be so oh cool. Oh, my It'd be so yeah. cool, especially off the heels of Oppenheimer, to then have yeah. him in our world. And Man. you probably could convince him to be around for multiple films, I think. Mm-hmm. Man, I, I know. I wonder if... I, I wonder if he would be Did you see Ben Mendelsohn, by the way, too? His, his What's fam- that? Did you see Ben Mendelsohn this week? He also no. said that he now would like to be recasted and play Dr. Doom now that he's dead as Talos. He wants to play Dr. Doom so bad, apparently. So. Oh, wow. That You know what? The funny thing is that would be fine because he'd be wearing his mask the whole time anyway, and he was yeah. mostly yeah, yeah. in makeup as Talos. No, but I think someone like uh, Killian Murphy would be... Oh. Oh, do you think he would? Do you think Killian would do that? Do you think that I don't he, know? I don't know. I mean, obviously, Chris Nolan got him to be around for multiple films in the Dark Knight universe, but that's yeah. that's because it's Chris Nolan and they have a thing, you know. Yeah, I. But but I, but you know, you know, Marvel could probably pull it off as just like a hey, do the Fantastic Four thing. It's one of the most legendary heroes. You will be, or sorry, villains. Like it's one of the most legendary characters, uh-huh. I should say. Like a, yeah, sell them hard on it, and then be like, we're all building towards this, and the and and, and Secret Wars is gonna be directed by you know so and so, and it'll be awesome. Yeah. Trust me, blah, blah blah. Like just you know, I don't know, but but maybe no. Not. I could see he has been open to it in the media, like during his media rounds with Oppenheimer. Oh really? Yeah, he hasn't like shut down. Well, not Doctor Doom in particular, but whenever right, he's right. asked about like blockbusters or Marvel movies or whatever, he's like, if the script is right, I would be, you know, into okay. it. Okay. So okay. I mean, and you do, you know, like we've talked about RDJ. I, I feel like they had a bond that oh, developed that's on so set. true. So he could, yeah, he could and, pitch him on that. And yeah, because I think like, man, I've been so interested in reading all these interviews. Uh, and I know you've listened to some from Robert Downey Jr. But I, I think he, it seems to me that he, you know, really values his time at Marvel. Yes. I think he also was so it sounds like just Oppenheimer was the perfect project for him coming back uh in terms of him kind of recasting his own like role within Hollywood and like I I think that he and I've seen him and Killian both talk about like what a special process that was like making that film how like Chris is such a unique director to work with and how like grounded everything is on cast. Like, I think he's a very demanding director. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, I wonder sometimes whether like if RDJ and Killian Murphy are talking is because I, because I've seen Robert make some comments about how it's nice to not have so much like green screen going on, like being able to act and so much of the, the performance being rooted in like actuality rather than being told like, you know, pretend you're looking up at a, at a purple alien. Yeah, but and also I've seen the opposite quote from him. I told you that. Like his famous thing in Variety or whatever was that he said some of the best acting I've ever done was... Oh, yeah, best. yeah. No, but I just wonder like if I could see Killian being a guy that that really values the like the sure. Nolan approach. approach. But so it's encouraging to me that he said that he's open to that because I do think, oh, man, I am... I'm like straight obsessed with Oppenheimer at this point in my life. You are. It's, it's like the thing that I can't stop thinking about. So, all right. My second bold prediction here. Don't know how bold this is. You can decide. I think before the end of the year, 
before Christmas in 2024, Spider-Man 4 will be announced. And I think it will oh. be announced even sooner. Like, like the release date won't be that far off. Like, I think there's a chance it comes out next Christmas, 2025. I think that wow. there is stuff brewing already. And they're keeping it under wraps. Interesting. And I think if that were the case, I'll follow up. 2025 might be one of my favorite comic book film years, if that happens, ever. With 2014 obviously being another contender. And oh, probably yeah, 2017 man. being another. Uh, I think if they nailed Fantastic Four with Matt Jackman being the director... Mm -hmm. Daredevil Born Again with the history I now have with that Netflix series. And then if Spider-Man 4 and came out as well, well, there's more. More Hidden Benson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There there would be potential uh, there. Um, and that's not yeah. even to say if, like, maybe Thunderbolts is awesome. Maybe Captain America Brave New World is awesome. I don't know that. But just those three alone would probably do it for me. Uh, yeah. So, anyways, yeah. by the end of the year, Spider-Man 4 will be announced with Tom Holland. Man, you know what's what's fun about that too is I think that the sh with the shuffle now, if I'm getting this right, I, it's in in some order, right? It's Captain America, Thunderbolts, and Born Again, like all in one block now. It's always changing. I'm nervous that Thunderbolts is going to get behind Fantastic Four potentially. Okay, I thought, yeah, that makes sense. I I know I think I saw that maybe Thunderbolt and Captain America, Thunderbolts and Captain America were swapped. But I guess my, my point in all that is that can make for a nice uh, little mini grounded MCU arc, you know, for like, which I think after Deadpool and Agatha yeah, might be nice. Like, you know, I think hmm. Sorry, so. I, I'm curious to see. Also, the Born Again comic, uh, famously features Captain America. Mm. And I do wonder if there's like, I, there's synergy. I wonder there. what kind of cameos we might get now that, you know, like in a daredevil series where he is actually okay. in the MCU. I won't. Well, I won't. you're stealing my thunder for the third one. Your third bold prediction. Okay. Well, my I, kind of on the cameo front, I think my, my bold prediction is that Deadpool three will give us a little more of the 838 Illuminati universe that we saw okay. in Multiverse of Madness. So he spends significant time in that one in particular. I don't know that it's significant time there. I, I just, I wonder if like, because that is the universe where they are, like they're aware of incursions. They've named it. They're cataloging universes. It's, I mean, that's where the Illuminati, some version of the Illuminati existed. I, like, I, I, the reason I think it's a bold prediction is it's not a necessary thing for them to do. But I think if they were to do that and have one movie that links up the, the Loki multiverse stuff with the Doctor Strange multiverse stuff, especially given that I think we're supposed to get a little bit more Doctor Strange multiverse stuff in the follow-up, to to that film, I mean, at least based on the end credits, I feel like just from the perspective of uh, creating a coherent narrative across the multiverse saga, I feel like that would be 
like a small but like welcome little like piece of connective tissue. Okay, I'm going to jump right off that with my third and final prediction. And this is me just shooting my shot, okay? So I'm getting more bold as we go along here. Here we go. I love it. This this might make me look stupid in two years when we look back at this. I think that Michael Fassbender will make a cameo in Deadpool 3. Ooh. Is that hot or not? I feel like I you're going to see him in this. And it, it I Googled it. It, like... He's open to it, but there's no confirmation that that's the case. But I could just see a world where this totally makes sense. Man, I mean, that's the, yeah, that's a, that's a great one. And that's a great one to end on because we did have the X-Men 97 trailer. Obviously, we had the Deadpool trailer less than a week before that. And I... We're doing our X-Men rewatch. I'm reading through for the first time ever uh, in its entirety all of the the Claremont, Dave Cockrum, John Byrne X-Men comics that virtually every X-Men anything has been adapted from. And so I, I'm, I'm so curious what the next few years looks like on the X-Men side whenever it comes to like who does show up and who shows up as like a fun wink and who shows up in a significant way yeah and and maybe we'll stick around like i Mm -hmm. like for instance i don't think that i don't think that hugh jackman's wolverine is going to be someone that survives the multiverse saga like i i think that from what they oh that's from what they've said so like he's yeah, around yeah, in Deadpool, I, I, he's around for Secret Wars, but then he's the casualty just for like by his age and his contract and all that. Yeah, I think like because my understanding is they want to leave Logan intact as that character's ending to some degree. So I think that if they were to actually like have him move into the MCU in a long-term capacity, I feel like that would undermine that. It, which is fine and, and could happen, but that just seems to kind of contradict what they're saying. And also okay. like Hugh Jackman is, it's not a character like Iron Man where he can continue to play him and not have to have the superhero body. Uh, yeah, good point. He has to keep getting ripped. But I, I think like that's one example, but I have no idea. Like, obviously I don't think Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen are going to be around for the long haul because for the same reasons. But Fassbender and McAvoy, like, I don't know. Like, I, I, I don't know if they will, like, I guess we're going all the way back to, like, what we first talked about with WandaVision, where I just don't know, are there any, outside of Deadpool, uh, are there any other X-Men characters, like, as portrayed by certain actors, that you think are going to wind up coming in legitimately, like coming into the MCU. Well, just to be fair, by the way, my prediction was just even a cameo. Like I was doing the wink. No, no, no. I know. I know. I know. Yeah. But I'm, you know, just by preference, if you, if we had to just choose that for what we wanted, we would both choose Fassbender as the one to do that. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know. Like I don't see, I don't see beast being, you know, like the new, yeah, it's not, it's not going to be like, I don't think it'll be Mystique, right? Like that won't stick around. I don't right. think, I'm guessing. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's the, 
They would need a new Professor uh, X, right? For sure. Yeah. You can't really have the X-Men without Professor X. Oh, no, for sure. And they'll need a new Magneto. It's just whether or not that's like... I mean, I guess it would make sense probably from the start from scratch because they've really delved into the backgrounds of those characters from first class, but also Days of Future Past and also Apocalypse. Like, there's a lot of backstory that they're fleshing out before you even get to the Patrick Stewart, Ian McKellen era in terms of timeline. So I feel like if the MCU were to just bring them in, it it would be like they would either have to redo a lot of things. I guess it's some of the same Daredevil conversations. But the reason I ask all that is because, yeah, that would make me so excited. I would love it if we got Fassbender in Deadpool 3. I would love it if we got Fassbender period, in the MCU. I, they can recast him as something else entirely. He could actually make for a great Doctor Doom, I think. That's a good point, too. But, so yeah, that would be, that would I, be fun. I would even be okay with a world where he is Magneto, but it's not the same one. Like, I'm okay with just being like, in yeah, this universe, yeah. it's the same actor, but it's not the same history. So you're starting over, but Fastbender stays the role. But that might get a little yeah, confusing. Like, it, for- like uh, Maria Rambeau in Multiverse of Madness sure. versus Captain Marvel versus the Marvels. Sure. Well, that was fun. This is a good time to be jumping on the Friends from Work bandwagon, as I said last week. Uh, nothing mm-hmm. is set in stone, but Robbie and I are finishing a quick detour through award season uh, with, we, we want to take a quick sidestep to look at Martin Scorsese for a second. So I think I can mm-hmm. say that this Thursday for friends from work plus listeners will be a shutter Island episode. So if you want to watch that movie and hear us talk about yep. it and then next week, again, nothing set in stone. We're hoping to cover killers of the flower moon as we take this detour through the award season. And then we are jumping into X-Men in all the ways, all yeah. the ways we've talked about. I just, so after that, get ready for the X-Men stuff. It's coming within the next couple of weeks. I'm just glad that we get to watch some actual movies and not just roller coasters for a change. You know, watch some Martin Scorsese, see what real film is like. Leave leave these theme park attractions. I love Shutter Island, so don't make me dislike weeks. him. Don't. You're you're <laughs> No, I love I love Martin Square. He's one of my favorite directors. I just had I to this is our first time ever, ever covering one of his movies. Yeah. But uh yeah, I mean that's the that's the funny thing is he has he has made war with the thing that we have chosen to cover for five years on this podcast. Yeah. But I I I love his movies. Well, so and I, ha- really I haven't seen Killers of the Flower Moon, so I'm going in with an open mind. I'm going to give him a shot and see if it, you know, it is higher cinema. <laughs> we'll find out. Have you have you seen what other movies of his have you? We'll talk about this in the screensaver oh, episode, gosh. but I'm curious. Have you seen The Departed? Nope. Oh, you would love The Departed. You would love that movie. I, un- I unfortunately know the famous ending, which is such a bummer to me. I wish I didn't know it. Oh, yeah. That is a bummer. I'd have to think. I'd have to look it up, too. Wolf of Wall Street. Anyways, we'll get into all this in, in uh, this week. Yeah. And um, I'm seeing Dune, part two. So, holy cow. Here we go. Oh, man. I know. I'm. There's a chance I get to see it early this week. Oh, please. Uh, but if not, it'll... But I'm glad that they're... To your point earlier about the confidence, they they are doing two rounds of screeners 
which I appreciate. So it's just been a really fun week over here at friends from work with all of those announcements with the movies you and I are talking about getting to see you, you at the John Williams concert. Like it just, it just feels like kind of like the new year's picking up and now we're back into film yeah. world a little bit. So I'm excited about it. Thank you so much for listening, supporting, please rate review and subscribe to this podcast, wherever you get your podcast, you can watch this podcast on YouTube and on Spotify. And uh, we'll see you next time right back here on friends from work. Yeah.